When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One more week, football fans. That's how close we are to the college football season. Man, it feels like it's been forever since we've gotten real college football. But I cannot wait for that first full game day. Of course, next Saturday won't be that, but we will get a little appetizer. A little Illinois and Nebraska-sized appetizer. I have never been more pumped for that football game, guys. Uh, Anyway, welcome into episode 43 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Good to be back with you after a brief break last week. I had a little mini vacation, so I could not record, but I'm your host, Brandon Champion, here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Friday, August 20th, 2021. Uh, Big show planned for you today, uh, including the latest updates from fall camp. We've also got a little bit of basketball news, Uh, but Matt, how's it going? Have you you had a chance to look at the Big Ten schedule for for week zero slash week one? Uh, any games jumping out at you, aside from Michigan State Northwestern, of course? Yeah, well, you mentioned Nebraska, Illinois to start. Maybe we'll get another Illinois roasting Nebraska on Twitter again for the second year in a row because that was that was obviously fun last year. But no, I mean, when you get when you get into it, I, I think Penn State, Wisconsin on the on the fourth, that one really stands out. Um, Illinois, I'm sorry, Indiana, Iowa, those are. Yeah, a couple games with some uh, both teams ranked, so those uh, definitely stand out besides Michigan State Northwestern. What about you, Kyle? And and I guess how do you feel about the Big Ten playing games right off the jump? I kind of like it. I like I like it a lot. Um, I, I I just think you know instead of three weeks of preseason, basically you get really good games off the jump. Uh, I, I'm like I like I like Indiana Iowa. Uh, I mean everyone's talking about Indiana supposed to be a great year, but they could definitely get tripped up at Kinnick right from the start there. Um, and then Ohio State, Minnesota, like, I don't know, can the, the PJ Fleck boys make that a game? Um, it, it, that could be interesting. I don't think they, they could, they're going to win it, but um, more interesting than most Ohio State openers, I'll say that at least. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State on the road, breaking in a new quarterback night mm-hmm. game at a, in a hostile environment with a coach who's uh, proven he can win some big games there in Minnesota. So I do think that is more intriguing than a normal Ohio State opener. Uh, I, I'm like strangely intrigued in West Virginia at Maryland because I've been, you got all this helium for Maryland this year, you know, with young, young tug of Iloa there. And, uh, you know, they've recruited better in recent years West Virginia quality big 12 team so uh, if if Maryland is actually going to take a step and improve this year I think that's a game that they're going to have to uh, compete in and show well in Um, if they get housed uh, then I think that uh, we're probably looking at a little bit of overhype there for Maryland especially at home so uh, we'll, we'll have more time to talk about some of these games but I'm just getting excited for for the season guys i'm it's just inching closer each and every day we got preseason nfl games got fantasy drafts coming up next week so football it feels like finally 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 is going to be here um and it's been here for michigan state fall camp trucks on uh matt was at practice uh this week he's talked to mel twice now i've seen you guys getting to talk to players and assistant coaches so, um, Matt, I'm going to let you go any direction you want with this. And, Kyle, you, you can jump in whenever you want as well. But 
What I mean, let's just talk takeaways from this last week of camp, because I think we've gotten a little bit more clarity on some positions, uh, maybe where guys are slipping in. What stands out from camp for you? All right. So it was uh, last week, you know, they let us in. Mel opened the doors for us the uh, first day of fall camp on the 5th. And then uh, last week, the 11th was their first padded practice. And we got to get about 15 minutes of watching that. And it was interesting because most of the time um, when they open the doors, at least in the in the Mark Antonio era, you don't really see a lot. It's mostly uh, glorified stretching, maybe some position group work. Uh, but last week when they let us in, um, they were, you know, full contact, full go. And uh, yeah, the intensity stood out. Um, definitely seemed like it was up a notch from, from most of the time we got in there watching when Mark would let us watch it. But I think the, the nature of what was going on at practice obviously played into that. Uh, I've, I've been really interested to see in the times they've let us in there to watch Mel and how he coaches. Um, because, you know, you hear about, you know, he would talk about, um, you know, when hired um, Javaris Tillman as, as the new corners coach and he said he wanted somebody that was comfortable with, he was going to be in there and he was going to be doing some coaching. And for, for the practices we've been in there, I've gone over and watched and Mel is, is highly involved with the cornerbacks. He's in there running these drills. He's putting guys through the paces and he is for his kind of, calm and cool as he comes off publicly and you know not much gets to him he is uh, very intense in practice which should not surprise anybody he's a football coach but um I, i've been i've been interested to watch that how the staff works with guys and how intense it is as far as what to take away um you know last week they were running they did a little bit live 11 on 11 so you kind of got a sense i mean you, you gotta always you know take it with a grain of salt once you see because you're just seeing like a little snapshot of it but you know, from that, you could see that what their offensive line probably will look like, which was which it appears that it'll be Jarrett Horse taking over at left tackle with A.J. Curry moving to right tackle. At least that's the way they, they repped it when we were looking. Um, and and A.J. talked about it afterwards and said, he's, you know, he's he's pretty much as comfortable now at right tackle as he is at left tackle. So, you know, that's interesting. Matt Allen at center, Kevin Jarvis moving into to uh, right guard. So, um, and then, I mean, at the time, it was Peyton Thorne taking taking snaps, but I, I just think the quarterback competition is too close. They won't give us anything really publicly. They just keep saying basically the same thing. It's a competition. Mel was asked about it again this week. Um, Jay Johnson, their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, was asked about it again this week, and they basically are just saying we're we're, we're still evaluating. So um, too early to tell there. And there's no, I mean, I don't, I would not be surprised. I know I've said this before if they don't name a starter. And you're just waiting to see who comes out with the, you know, who, who's in the huddle when they get on the sideline at Northwestern before the first offensive series. So, um, well, that was, that, that was bizarre. I'll, I'll get back to you in a second, but since yeah. you brought it up, I mean, Northwestern comes out and announces Hunter Johnson as their yeah. starting quarterback, which was surprising in its own right. But even more surprising was that they just came out and, and did it, you know, like, well, why are you giving Michigan state weeks to prepare for a certain quarterback? Yeah, I don't. You know, I mean, I guess it's nice. The fans know what, what's happening, um, but I don't I don't really see the value, um, I guess, in, in giving that away. Like you said, like, I don't I, like I would again would totally understand if Mel doesn't name a starter and just, you know, keep him guessing. I don't you know, I don't know how much that really matters, you know, because there's plenty of film out there on Anthony Russo and Northwestern's watching. I asked, you know, as asking Pat Fitzgerald about this back at uh, Big Ten Media Days. And he said, yeah, absolutely, they're going to watch film of all the guys, you know, in the past schools. So, 
you know what you get in Russo, Thorne. You got the tape from last year. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it maybe makes it a little bit more difficult to prepare for the opponent. But, I mean, again, it doesn't really serve you. Any, um, you know, it doesn't hurt. Let, let, me, let me ask this, Matt. The, the longer this goes out, I don't know. Part of me thinks that the lo- – I'm not surprised they're not naming a starter now. But, like, the closer it gets to camp, like, does that make Russo more likely for you? You know, I mean, you've had – You've had Thorne in there longer. Um, it seems like he maybe would have come in ahead of a transfer. I don't know. Uh, it, 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 and they might know today and just not be telling anybody. But but part of me thinks that, like, the closer we get, the more likely Russo seems to me. At least. And it could be the case. And, you know, I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth with that. The fact that, you know, you know, you bring in this guy who's a grad transfer. And, you know, he said it before. I didn't come here to sit. I came here to play. So, but, you know, everybody says that. That's a belief in everybody. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win the job. So maybe there's something to that. And again, we've talked about it at length. He's got the experience. You know what you get in, in Russo and versus Thorne is, you know, maybe more of a higher ceiling guy long-term just because, you know, he's played four games in college with one start. So I, I just, I don't know, you know, because you would have to be able to see what's going on in practices, um, particularly the scrimmages to really with your own eyes, be like, all right, this guy is doing X, Y, and Z better than the other is not turning over the ball more or whatever, you know, just, and we just, we don't get to see that. So it will continue to be, um, you know, just a guessing game at this point in time, based on what they say publicly, which isn't a whole lot. <laughs> we have, I think a pretty clear top four at running back now, which, uh, you know, that, you know, so, I mean, uh, and Connor Hayward moving to H back or tight end, he was working with tight ends, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was uh that was a last week development where they were going live and I realized I that Connor was working with the tight ends right before I almost got run over by him. So that was my fault. You got to watch out where you're standing. I thought it was out of the way. They ran a play off the surface towards me. So that's when you drop your, uh, that's when you don't worry so much about the video you're taking with your phone and just get out of the way of the big dudes wearing pads. So yeah, I think that's interesting. And that does clear up a little bit of, of the jam in the backfield. You know, Hayward's a guy who's a valuable receiver, solid blocker. So uh, however they want to use him, like Mel said, you know, with, you know, whatever we can do to get the ball in his hands out of the backfield, I think you know that he, he's got the ability to make plays. And then, so after that, I mean, really, it's Elijah Collins, Kenneth Walker, Jordan Simmons. You really look at as a top three. But Harold Joyner was getting some praise um, the other day from from Mel um, and what he was able to do in the first scrimmage. So, but you know, he's six foot four. So, and Jay Johnson said they can see ways to use him, you know use him in different roles. So it'll be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. And, and they obviously have options and obviously whoever is going to get the running game away from being uh, terrible, which it was last year and hasn't been much better in recent season. That's, that's obviously been the priority. Did I see that they had, um, I can't remember if you tweeted it or one of the other B reporters, but uh, kind of getting some clarity about who was shuffling in at nickel. Didn't uh, we well, get some info yeah, well, Scotty Hazleton talked about it yesterday. He said that right now it's Michael Dowell. He's the guy to beat. Um, and, you know, Dowell's a guy. He made two starts at safety last year. He worked some of the nickel. But, um, you know, he's a redshirt junior, you know, good player. And, and you know, I mean, obviously, you know, his brother's history there and, and their ability to, to be um, starters on the defense. So it kind of seems like it's his turn. And uh, behind him, it was uh, Angel – I'm sorry, uh, Darius Snow, was who Scotty said was, was getting behind – Dowell, and then after that, even uh, Chester Kimbrough's worked a little bit at nickel. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Dowell start there, and then you get Gross and Henderson at the safety spots. And then at corner, Gervin comes back as a starter. But 
Ronald Williams from Alabama. Kyle wrote about him today after talking to him yesterday. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe Gervin, maybe Chester Kimbrough, who guys have, have talked a lot about. I think those are those are your top three guys, I would guess, right there. Kyle, tell us a little bit about Ronald Williams, because I thought that story was pretty interesting about how he, you know, obviously a kid who comes from Alabama uh, was starting to crack the lineup, got it, got hurt, and that leads him to Michigan State. But uh, obviously the, the Tide's loss is the Spartans' gain in this case. Yeah, well, well, first of all, as I told Matt this morning, if Michigan State's two two starting corners are named Ronald and Chester on the opening day, that's that's amazing <laughs> in my mind. So I'm I'm rooting for that. Um, but no, uh, Ronald Williams, yeah, uh, really interesting backstory. You know, com- comes from a small town in Louisiana, played quarterback in high school, uh, went straight to JUCO out of high school. He said just as an athlete, like he showed up at this JUCO in Kansas just as an athlete and said, "Yeah, I'll play where you want me to." And he played wide receiver, and then coach said hey you know I, I i just need cornerbacks like we're short on corners when i go play corner and he said yeah sure and he said he didn't really become a full-time corner until his second year at juco and going from there within a year he's at alabama so that tells you how quickly he caught on to cornerback and how much he really showed out there because I, I i don't follow too closely but i don't think alabama takes a whole lot of juco guys um uh, so to, um, Matt shaking his head, maybe. No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying that I know, I know I'd see it. I see it happen. It, it's, I don't, I don't think yeah. it's completely unusual, but I don't think it's uh, a regular. Either, either way, after a year of playing cornerback to get to Alabama, you're doing pretty well. So he, he gets to camp there, um, does well. He, he, and he gets to the point where he's repping with the ones, which, you know, he said it was somewhat injury related, but you're still doing well. If you're repping with the ones at Alabama, um, goes up, um, defense, Devonte Smith in a rep goes up to break up a pass safety comes over the top um, and, and kind of clobbers him ends up with his arm broken. Um, so it was out half the season. And, you know, the way he described it at Alabama, you know, uh, he said, you know, you're there, you look to your right and there's a guy better than you look, you look to your left and there's a guy just as good as you. So um, competition is at the highest level in, in the sport there. So, you know, you, you, you described it, you missed half of a season there and, you know, trying to climb back up the ladder against competition that good in the middle of a season is just really, really tough to do. You know, the, the defense was rolling. Obviously, they were they're on their way to winning a national title. So he couldn't really get back onto the field after that, uh, despite having good camp. So played sparingly three games and, you know, just decided after that that uh, it was it was time to leave. He had gotten passed up a little bit. So, um I think a good get for Michigan State, you know, he talked about liking Mel Tucker a lot, um, kind of being from a saving tree. Um, I, I think the good news for him and for Michigan State is he came here and said, I, I feel like I know this system because obviously Mel Tucker worked with Nick Saban, based his defense a lot around that. And he said for a cornerback, the stuff I learned last year, you know, I, I pretty much knew it coming here. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of issues with him not knowing what he's doing out there or needing some time to learn. I think he's in a good spot as far as, as, far as football IQ. Um, and obviously, you know, I think he's got the physical abilities, uh, which, you know, if, if you if you can get on the field at Alabama, uh, you've got that. So I, um, I he's getting a lot of attention from where he came from. But, you know, my indicate, you know, I know, Matt, you talked to uh, Jalen Naylor, who said he's a tough guy to mm-hmm. have guarding you. The coaches have talked about him. So he's a guy I would be expecting to play a lot here. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, six two corner from Alabama. <laughs> kind of yeah. seems like that's a guy you probably are going to get on the field at some point in time. Well, speaking of big guys, uh, Keon Coleman, man, the, the freshman receiver keeps popping up in all these, 
you know, videos that the school's putting out, you know, reporters, you know, have been taking photos of him. We see him and his endless confidence on social media, uh, putting out things, you know, telling Mel Tucker, coach me coach. And uh, I mean, this kid's got a great personality. Seems like he's got all the confidence in the world. What do you, what do you think the chances are that we see Keon Coleman on the field very early in his career? I'd say the chances are pretty high. How much you see him on the field, I don't know. Because, you know, this is a guy that, you know, obviously immensely talented, very athletic. He played at a really small school um, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I think just the he's – got, he's got a lot to learn, I think, about the actually playing wide receiver. And, you know, a guy like Courtney Hawkins is obviously perfect to, to put him through that. Um, and, and, you know, it was talked about the other day. I think it was uh, Jay Johnson was saying that, you know, that you know, a lot of talent, but he's very young. He's very raw. I think it was him or maybe Mel. Can't remember. But either way, point is, there's the talent, there's the athleticism, there's the size, but does he have the knowledge to do everything? And what Jay was saying is right now they're still evaluating, you know, getting putting him through everything, and they're trying to figure out, is this guy we can rely on as an every-down guy, or are we just going to be able to plug him in for a matchup here or there? So I would say I would lean probably towards the, the latter, and I don't think he's going to be your, your number three guy getting reps at receiver. Um but I think you definitely see him on the field because he's six foot four and he can right. jump. <laughs> the, the thing I thought about with him is Jay Johnson likes to take these deep shots, you know, plug yep. him in every now and then. And like, you don't have to have that much knowledge to say, hey, go run down the field, throw up a ball and go get it. You know, um, yep. until he really has the whole position down and can be an everyday guy. I mean, I think you could at least do that with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with, with um, Trayvon Morgan transferring out, you know, I was a guy that was six, seven um, really it's, you know, when he signed, Keon became the tallest wide receiver on the team. They added Christian Fitzpatrick, too. I think he's also 6'4". So, but either way, I mean, that was, you know, Ray, uh, Reed and Naylor are clearly your top two guys, but they're both like six-foot guys. And that was kind of what, you know, Michigan State was at receiver last year. They were kind of six-foot and six-one down the line. I think Mosley's, what, six-one, six-two. So um, they didn't really have that, that big guy other than Morgan, who nice game against Penn State, and then he uh, left for Kentucky. So, um yeah, I, I think I, I would, again, I would expect to see Keon in there at some point in time. And, and, and we should say Ricky White has been nowhere to be seen. So, uh, yeah, so we still haven't answered that. The mystery goes on. Uh, and Michigan State pretty deep at receiver, too. So, I mean, it could be harder for Keon Coleman to, to crack the lineup there. Yeah. But I, I think we'll see him pretty early on probably situationally, but uh, obviously a kid with a lot of talent who we hope to make a splash. We're going to move on here in a second, but there was one more thing. Deshaun Mallory, right? I, I saw you did a story on him, uh, lost a lot of weight. This is a guy who's flashed early in his career, probably pegged in as like the, the backup uh, to start the season, but someone who's going to be in the rotation and see time. Um, so what, uh, what have you seen from Deshaun Mallory? And uh, I know he lost a lot of weight, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, he, he showed up as a freshman at 350. He looked every bit of that in the photo from the before and after photo from last summer. I mean, he's listed at 345 last season in, in, the, in the program, but um, he's down to 270 pounds, which is absolutely remarkable uh, transformation. His body, you know, working out, eating better, cooking his own food is what he was talking about. Getting with Amber Reinstein and the uh, head uh, performance dietitian and Jason Novak, head strength and conditioning coach. So, yeah, I mean, it was really impressive. To, I mean, to, can you imagine being a college football player and losing 80 pounds? You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I'm almost dropped an F bomb there, but it's insane. <laughs> it's a you know, whole it's, person. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's 80 pounds. It's a child. 
um so good on him i mean that's 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 impressive so now i'll be interested to see how that how he looks you know really rep to rep he said his conditioning is is vastly improved he doesn't feel tired out there and he believes that allows him to play um faster because he's not out there winded and and kind of panicking he's ready to go so um yeah we'll see uh he wants to get back he now wants to add 15 to 20 more pounds so that's an interesting position to be in but um yeah, he's definitely, I would say, you know, he's top three in the rotation. I, it would be surprised if that works out any other way. You know, Jacob Slade comes back as a, you know, started all seven games last year. He was not participating in practice the last time they let us in. Um, he was standing there, but he was wearing shorts and a jersey and, and not um, going through it. So I don't know if he's dinged up or if that's a long-term thing. It didn't look like it, but, you know, Slade, Jalen Hunt, Sean Mallory, those are your top three. And beyond that, Maverick Hansen. Um, and then Simeon Barrel is a guy to look at there. But uh, impressive stuff from Deshaun. For sure, man. I couldn't imagine having that type of discipline in college because I definitely did not. Uh, I think I went the opposite way and put on 80 pounds. No, no, maybe not quite 80, but <laughs> definitely put on some. Uh, you know, what it is, the old freshman 15 is not a myth, kids. If you're listening to that, uh, definitely keep that in check. Uh, anything else that we're missing here, guys, that you noticed from camp before we move on to basketball? Yeah, I don't I mean, there's like little tidbits here and there, you know, they've talked about guys standing out at this and that spot. Montori Foster's a guy that's uh, got a lot of praise for, um, you know, the growth he's made. Um, and, you know, Hazleton potential- mentioned some freshmen too, right? Yeah. He mentioned now Teote and Brantley. Brantley's a guy that um, um, has been getting a lot of praise. Mel was talking about him, but actually that was a, one of the things I was watching the other day during practice is, is Mel was working through working the corners through a drill and Brantley did it and did exactly how he wanted it. And Mel was, after he got done with the rep, Mel was saying, we got to give Chuck a chance, you know, which, you know, I think skill wise, you probably like what he brings, but um, I think he's listed at 165. Um, I don't know that he actually weighs that much. He might be a little lighter. So I think that might be the, the setback for him right now, as far as being able to get on the field immediately. But um, they like what he brings physically. And then now Teote is the guy, you know, they, they just think he's natural, you know, just as athleticism. Um, Scotty was talking about how, you know, first time he just plugged him in there and the guy didn't look like he was in Tim, you know, didn't look like somebody who was all of a sudden playing with, you know, at a, at a different level, he just went out there and, and did it. So, uh, but again, you know, freshman linebacker, I, I would not expect him to be contributing heavily this season. No, but so, he's also a kid who comes with some pedigree. And then you, I, I swear, I, I thought I saw Derek Harmon, the six four three fifty nine kid from Detroit, mentioned somewhere too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you want to talk about massive humans? Holy he's, crap! He's huge, and that definitely stands out in the field. Um, now, where is he in that rotation? I, I don't know. Um, Scotty talked about it yesterday. They're like, you know, we'll see second scrimmage. Are we going to play five D tackles? Are we going to play six? Can we play more? You know. You get five and six. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot of rotation there. I don't know that you really want to go much deeper. And I don't know if he could be in the top six there, you know, with the guys we already listed and then some of the guys coming back, a guy like Kyle King who didn't play, who didn't get on the field last year. I, I don't know. That'll be, that'll be interesting to see how deep they go there. And and, and, and too, because, you know, they got both starters back and Drew Jordan and depth like Michael Fletcher and um, Jack Camper and guys like that. Yeah. You mentioned second scrimmage. We're talking here on, Friday and that would yep. be tomorrow. Um, I mean, th- th- that's the date they've been kind of pointed to is the day you kind of got to start to harden that depth chart up a little bit, you know, um, mm-hmm. just to give those, those groups enough time to work together. So I, I think that'll be when 
um, some of these decisions start to be made or at least get penciled in. And then, you know, two days later, the 23rd on the Monday is uh, meet the Spartans, which is an open practice this year because of COVID. There's no autographs, you know, there's no meet and greet. It's just show up to the stadium and watch them practice. So I, I don't know what that practice is going to look like, how much Mel is going to give away. But, you know, in theory, we're watching them practice two days after that second scrimmage. So I'm hoping we might learn a little bit more. And if, if anybody wants to, they can show up and learn more too. Um, six o'clock to, to give them a little pub for their open practice there. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And the second scrimmage, I mean, they, the NCAA, they changed them the, uh, the camp rules this year. They you only get two scrimmages. So this is, that's mm-hmm. the, you know, that's kind of the, your dress rehearsal for, for Northwestern. So I would love it if they had opened the doors for us on that one tomorrow, but I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll have to settle for a practice on Monday and, and see what they give us. All right, cool. Well, that's kind of just a rundown, kind of a hodgepodge of some of the developments from camp. Uh, Obviously, these things keep trickling out and everyone's waiting on the quarterback. But that first game is coming two Fridays from now at Northwestern, nine o'clock ESPN. It's it's coming. And uh, uh, I can't wait, man. It's It's a great stage to start the season for Mel Tucker and Michigan State. Uh, but let's move on to basketball quickly. We got our, our first commitment of the 2022 class, uh, and it was kind of an expected one, but a, but an impactful one, too, who's also a football recruit, uh, Trey Holloman uh, from St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, 6'2", 175. He's a three-star uh, safety prospect, but basketball seems to be where he has more pedigree. Uh, number 11 point guard in the country, four-star kid. Um, so it comes with some pedigree, but Kyle, uh, you know, this is a good get, I think, to get the class started. Um, but we'd be lying if we said point guard was the biggest position of need for the class, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did not need a, a, a point guard. I don't think in this class, um, you know, you look at when he gets here, all, all the point guards currently on the roster are still going to have eligibility, whether they're still here or not, you know, that's another question, but, um, you know, he would be the fourth point guard in there. Um, but, but I think a couple things, um, as they explaining, you know, why they took a point guard, you know, a, I, I think last year proved that you'd rather have too many than too few. Um, Agreed. <laughs> um, I, I think Tommy Joe and his staff are going to make sure they don't end up ever again in the situation they were last year. Cause they saw the consequences of that. Um, and then B, you know, I, I think you can look at more two point guard, two ball handler looks, you know, I think we've seen more of that across basketball. Certainly Tommy has done it at times um, in his career. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think just because you've got one starting point guard spot and four point guards, so that has to be limiting at all. You know, I could certainly see multiple of these guys they've got playing together, whether, you know, we've already, I think we've talked about Jaden Akins maybe playing off the ball a little bit using his athleticism, um, AJ Hogard, I, I hear he's having a good summer. So I think he could get on the court a little bit. So, um, uh, I, maybe not number one on their needs, but I think it can always help you to have an extra ball handler, an extra point guard, um, in the fold there. Absolutely. I mean, and by all accounts, a, a solid, uh, point guard, you know, pass first play defense point guard guys, guy who likes to get other guys involved, but also someone who has some athleticism, uh, can get to the basket. Uh, it's, it's been obvious Kyle that Tom Izzo's focus on getting point like, true point guards right back in the program, <laughs> because last year, uh, you know, with the whole rocket Watts experiment failing, um, it's, it's, I find it kind of comical. He's like, no, I'm getting a point guard. Not one of these yeah. combo guards. I'm getting a point guard because I need a point guard to run my complicated offense. 
Yeah, Trey Holloman has averaged nine assists per game his last two high school years, which their high school numbers are a little inflated, but you're, you're passing the ball well, and you can look at his tape and see some of these passes that he makes. So true point guard, um, not a standout shooter. Shooting numbers are a little bit low, so he'll, he'll work on that. Athleticism, you know, maybe not, you know, upper tier athleticism, but he, he's kind of crafty, you know. He finds ways to get to the hoop. Um um, so I, I think he'll be able to score and, but the, you know, once Israel's able to talk about him, you know, when he signs in November, um, he's going to talk about him being tough. Um, he's a tough kid. He plays football. Like you said, he can take a hit, keep on going. Um, and he's quick. And he talked about running the break and how much he really likes running the fast break and passing there. So, um, I think he's a fit for a lot of reasons. I don't see him stepping in for, you know, day one as being a starting point guard, but, um, you know, top 70 kid, you know, going to be here several years. I think he's a solid, you know, mid-level kind of addition to the program there. In terms of filling out the rest of the class and Michigan state has uh, spots and we've talked about this before. I mean, big man is, is going to be in uh, a spot of need for this team. And they've sent out several offers, which we talked about, you know, uh, in the summer, you know, you have, but, you know, you've had three go off the bar. Jalen Washington, the kid from Gary, uh, was the first one he committed to North Carolina. Uh, Terrace Reed, who was a long time thought to be a Michigan State lean, and then Ohio State ends up going to Michigan after one visit and talking to Jawan Howard. And Kajani Wright, the kid who Kyle has on record saying that he has no problem leaving California, uh, commits to USC. So, um, wait, are you, saying, are, you saying, are you saying a kid uh, recruit maybe changed his mind about what he wanted to do? It's, oh. It seems like that might have happened there, Kyle. <laughs> um, I'm so, so well, if you look, yeah, yeah. Amazing that a 17 year old kid would change his mind in a second. Uh, but so if you look at the remaining board, Isaac Trout, uh, 6'9", 205, four-star big man from Nebraska. A lot of teams after him, but Michigan State uh, appears to be in the mix there. And the most recent offer is Braden Huff, uh, a kid from Illinois, Chicago area kid. A lot of people seem to think he was uh, a Wisconsin lean. He doesn't have a composite rating yet, but uh, two, four, seven has him as a, as a low four star. Um, and then on the, on the wing, you've got, um, Jaden shoot, who is the uh, Michigan state again, feels pretty well positioned there. Um, I mean, you've got other offers out there. Sonny Johnson, three-star point guard, Ty Rogers. He's probably going to Michigan, uh, and Donovan Klingon went to UConn. So, uh, how do you view the, I mean, Michigan state needs a big man here and obviously the transfer portal will be an option too, but. Uh, they've missed on a lot of these big men they've been going after, which I know has some of the fan base kind of concerned. You know, I, I, I think you've got to think about like recruiting and roster building like totally differently in, in this day and age than you used to. And, and I get used to like the same thing, like, oh, I see the number of open spots to see what they need. Oh, they need this. They need that. But like it's different now. Like they, they technically have four open spots. Like they're not going to fill more than two. Like, like Tommy said, like, I'm not carrying more than 11 scholarship guys. So um, they're not, they don't really have as many spots as they look like they have. And I, just, I think it's going to be more of an option now. Like, yeah, we're going to try to get a big man, but if we don't get one we want, then we'll just get one in the portal next year. You know, that's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot. Uh, they're going to be quicker to kind of flip that switch and not, not get a guy just to get a guy, uh, which I think we can agree that they've kind of done in the past um, if it gets down to it. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so to me, it's like you want a big man and you probably want a wing. Um, and I, I think they're in good position with, I mean, they've really only got one, you know, two offers out to big men that seem like they're really in on and one on a wing. Um, so they could get both of those and be fine. Um, or if not, 
you know, you'd hope to at least get one more kid in this class and then not to have too much work to do in the portal. But I, I think they're in good position with either one of those guys you mentioned. Um, you know, Isaac Trout, they've been on for, in on for a while. He took an official here. Um, I would think they're in good position there. Um, Jaden Shute um, got a Duke offer uh, soon after his Michigan State visit, so I think that would probably um, make folks a little bit worried. But, um, he, again, we talked about this. He's from that Chicago program um, that Doug Wojcik's close to, produced Max Christie. So I, I still think they're, good, they're in good position there. So um, I, I know that there are some people out there freaking out, but – um, I, I just think recruiting and roster building is different now, and it's not the end of the world if they don't get um, if they don't fill out a whole recruiting class by November or don't get everybody that they want. I mean, the number of offers they put out this class was noticeably less, so I don't think anybody's shocked that um, they have one commit here. And, and the kids are waiting longer too. I mean, this class couldn't take visits, couldn't play in front of coaches for a long time. Everybody, I, I believe everybody's getting five more officials starting September first, so I think kids are. A lot of these kids are going to be taking their time. So I don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about right now. And if you're wondering about Imani Bates, I listened to <laughs> the CBS Ion College Basketball podcast the other day. They did a whole podcast on Imani Bates, Matt Lorander, Norlander, Gary Parrish, two guys who are really tuned into the college basketball world. Uh, they handicapped where Imani would go, and they had Michigan State at like 1% and basically didn't even mention them in the whole pod. So... If that tells you what's going on with Imani, don't hold your breath. He's probably not coming to Michigan State unless he just flips everyone and throws everyone for a loop, which, hey, it's Imani Bates who says he couldn't do that. Um, but uh, I just I wouldn't hold your breath on him filling one of those spots either. But let's move on to uh, the last bit of news we have here today. And unfortunately, it's a little bit off the, off the court, off the field stuff. Uh, the Detroit Free Press, our friend Chris Solari, uh, with a report about uh, there maybe potentially being some infighting uh, between President Samuel Stanley and the Board of Trustees. Uh, this has to do with Tom Izzo potentially taking an interim position on the uh, as the AD, which is something that I basically facetiously jokingly said on the last pod. But apparently somebody thinks that it's actually a good idea. Um, I don't have I, I didn't read the full story and I don't I, so I don't want to talk out of turn and have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, but Kyle, you said you had some thoughts. I mean, what, what is your initial takeaway from this and kind of fill us just in on, on the Cliff Notes version of what's going on? Yeah, the clip notes, and as you mentioned, reporting from the free press that, um, you know, basically a, um, a, a group of trustees, not the whole board, but a, a, you know, a group of trustees approached Tom Izzo and said, you know, hey, would you be interested in being the interim athletic director while we search for an athletic director? Um, for those of that listening who think Michigan State already has an interim, interim athletic director, you are correct. Uh, they have one in Bill Beekman. Um, so they would be getting their second interim athletic director under this plan. Um, and, you know, according to this report, Tom Izzo agreed to do it. Uh, but President Samuel Stanley uh, basically vetoed it and said, no, we will not be doing that. So, um, you know, I, I read it as, you know, kind of another one of these Michigan State power struggles with the board front and center is this board of trustees manages to always make itself front and center when it comes to um, to issues. Um, I you know, um, it, you know, all indications are that Samuel Stanley is running a pretty tight search here um, and he's handling a lot of it himself in a very close circle of people. Um, they do have a, a search firm, you know, an executive search firm that I'm sure he's relying on there, but um, not a lot of people really in on the process. And, and you know, I read this as a move by some of the, the trustees to, to kind of slow things down um, and to get themselves more involved. 
Um, and you know, a way, a way, this is a way of them doing that. And, and they're doing it because they're a little upset because, um, they're not being involved, but you know, I, my, my opinion, I, I, <laughs> I think the more cooks in the kitchen, I, I, you know, I'm not sure you need that. I think a, a good professional search is one like you've been running. It's tight, you know, haven't heard a lot about it, which isn't always good for, for folks like me and Matt, but I think that means they're, they're running a tight ship. Haven't heard a lot of real candidates. So, um, so who knows? Um, uh, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to have a little more involvement from Tom Izzo um, and Mel Tucker, just to kind of keep those, you know, everybody happy in, in those worlds. But um, I'm not sure you need all, you know, four different trustees all uh, muddying the waters there either. I don't know what you think, Matt. Yeah, I just, it, it makes absolutely zero sense. <laughs> To have Tom Izzo come in as an interim athletic director when you have Bill has been doing this job. I know he's on the way out, but he's been doing this job for three years. Let him finish out the last week or two. I don't, it makes no sense. Other than like Kyle mentioned, this is people wanting to have their spot at the table and want to have their voice heard in the process. And, you know, ultimately they will because they have to approve the hire. Um, But, you know, you know how this stuff works. There's the infighting and all that. And then, it's a unanimous vote usually at the end unless things go really terribly but, wrong with messaging. But um, yeah. Here's the thing I'd say though. I know, I know a lot of this is kind of palace intrigue stuff, but uh, why it matters though is I, I think if you're an institution trying to make a hire, you are trying to look united and like you've got your stuff together, you know? <laughs> um, I think people can know what word was at the tip of my tongue there. And <laughs> This does not help, you know, and when you're trying to attract high level candidates, I don't know if this would be a, you know, make a decision for anybody, but it certainly can't help um, if somebody who doesn't know your institution very well is coming in from the outside and say, man, there's a lot of politics there. There's a lot of jockeying for power. I don't know about that place. That's the worry, you know, and you, maybe you don't end up with quite as good an athletic director as you want. Um, otherwise, I mean, I mean, that, that's why it matters. You've also got Brian Mose Allen going on a podcast and throwing stones at a former athletic director. So, I mean, people who know Michigan State's history know that this has kind of been it. Um, you know, you got a new president, you got a lot of new board members. I, I think there was some thought that maybe they were moving past it, but um, not completely, it would seem. <laughs> Fun times, man. Fun times. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Fair enough. Uh, take it for what you want. The story's on the free press. Good reporting by them. Um, so I'm sure this isn't the last we'll hear about this, but hopefully they can figure it out and, and get the right man or woman in charge there because uh, uh, they've obviously got a big athletic department to run in a big year for the university. So uh, it'll be interesting to track, but that's going to do it for today's episode of MLAP Spartan Confidential Podcast. We appreciate you listening very much. Uh, look forward to the scrimmage on Saturday and also the Meet the Spartans event if you want to go get a, get a look at them. Again, if you could please like, rate, and review the show, it would be very much appreciated. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. A lot of good stories that sort of elaborate on the things that we've sort of talked about from camp on this episode. You can also hit us up on Twitter and hit up our voicemail, 616 222 1022, uh, which I actually forgot to check uh, before this episode. So if we did have a voicemail, uh, sorry, we'll get to it uh, in the future. Um, but you can call that number 616-222-1022. I actually forgot about that. Not doing my job well. But you know who does do their job well? Kyle and Matt. Nice work, guys. Appreciate the updates as always. Have fun uh, at practice and at the uh, Meet the Spartans event. I will look to your updates and I cannot wait 
before the game against Northwestern. It's coming soon enough. Football is on the horizon. So for Kyle Lawson, Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thanks for listening to my Spartan Confidential Podcast. And go Green!